This morning, we're going to be starting a series. This is our summer series. We like to go through uh, a book of the Bible in the summer if we can. And we're going to be studying 1 John this summer. So we're calling this series The Secret Sauce of Christianity. Do you have a secret sauce that you like? Like, think about your favorite meat that you might want to baste, you know, or if you're a vegetarian, maybe you baste your vegetables. That's a thing, right, to baste vegetables. Um, what does that sauce look like? What makes it secret? So First John was written because there were people going around that were saying that to follow Jesus, you needed to do something more than what they were currently doing at the time. It, maybe it wasn't just enough for you to be saved by grace, but what about circumcision? Should the Gentiles be circumcised? What about things that you shouldn't do? Like, can you really eat meat? There was all these discrepancies happening in the church at the time. And John was led by the Lord to write 1 John to address some of these things. And, you know, even today we can fall into a trap. Have you ever felt like, I don't know if I'm good enough to receive God's love? Right? Why, why do we think that? Or, or maybe you felt like, I've got to read my Bible more to earn the right to pray to God and, and make a request to Him. So it's, it can be easy to think that there's a secret sauce in Christianity, but I've got a secret to tell you of my own this morning. Right, so I'm going to tell a secret to all these people. You've got to promise to keep the secret, right? Is that going to work? I don't know. Anybody, anybody can't keep a secret? Maybe you should leave right now because I'm not sure I want to tell you this. Are you online? Can you keep a secret? So here's the secret. Are you ready? Don't miss it. The secret is there's no secret sauce. There's no secret sauce. That's the secret. Our salvation, our hope, our access to God is all because of Jesus. That's not a secret. But sometimes we think, no, i got to do something more. There's got to be something I'm missing. It's a secret sauce. Where's that secret sauce? Could you give me that? Could you tell me the recipe? It's not a secret. It's all because of Jesus. Our salvation, our hope in God, it's all because of Jesus. So studying 1 John... 1 John reminds us that there is no secret sauce. It's all because, and it will always be, because of Jesus. So the title for my message this morning is The Truth About Jesus. And before we dive into the first beginning of of 1 John 1, I want to give an overview of what 1 John looks like, because we're going to be spending the next seven or eight weeks in 1 John, so we're going to be going through it slowly. Uh, We're going to be encouraging you to, to take some time to read this. You should have all received a card when you came in. Everybody get a card? Anybody didn't get a card, raise your hand. So we have some people that didn't get a card over here. Billy, if you could get a card and and come see them. Keep your hands raised. If you didn't get a card, we want to get a card to you. Um, Because when I show you this, this is what the card looks like. And it might be easier for you to look at it at your seat than to try to see the words up on the screen. But you should have gotten a handout. Uh, There's a reading plan on the back. We're going to talk about that later. But So look at the graphic part that's up on the slides. And if you look at the left column, you'll see the second row says major theme, of which there's two of in 1 John. The first is walking with God of light, walking with the God of light, and then the second is responding to the God of love. So we're going to see as we walk through, we're going to get a chance to read 1 John over and over and over again this summer. Like, we're going to soak in it. We're going to be basted with it. It's going to be the secret sauce of the Word basting us and showing us what does it look like 
to live in the light. What does it look like to stay in the light? Those are the two major themes. The chapter references below where it says 1 John 1, 5, 2 to 11. That's going to be what we're going to look at next Sunday. And then following to 12 through 27, that's the Sunday after. So those are, that's how we're going to be breaking it up in the, the different Sundays. Um, this morning, we're doing the overview. So it says the prologue, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Um, and as an overview of the book, there's two more rows. So as we study the book together, as we read the book week after week after week, it's only five chapters. It's, it's really short to read. So we're going to take one chapter a day. But as we read through it, we're praying that, that you start to see fellowship with God produces what? It produces a clean life, a discerning life, a loving love, and a confident life. So Those are some of the things that as we read through it, as you read through it together with us, you'll start to see. And then there's promises that we can take out of 1 John, right? When we read God's word, we need to know this is what it says. This is the promise that it's speaking to me. It's speaking to you. And how do those promises come to life? The promises of the word, we're going to be looking at fellowship with God, forgiveness of sins, obedience that produces life in Christ, and, and so on and so forth. So you can take this, keep it with you. The idea is you put this in your Bible. Um, maybe you've got to fold it up and put it in that little wallet thing on the back of your phone if your phone is your Bible. But somehow keep this with you. Bring it home because I, we want to be going through this and, and seeing First John come alive. So before I get into the text, I want to cover briefly a who, when, where, why of First John. So who wrote First John? It's not rocket science. It was John that wrote First John, right? Kind of goes with the name here. But it was written John when he, it was written by John when he was older in life, right? John was one of the original twelve apostles. He was probably the disciple Jesus loved. I mean, I can say he was the disciple Jesus loved, but scholars say probably. I'm not sure why. But if you've ever read the Gospel of John. He refers to the disciple Jesus loved over and over and over again. It's like, why? Who, who's that? Right? It was him. Along with Peter and James, John had a special relationship with Jesus. There was times when Jesus would just take the three of them out together. Right? And, and they went to the Mount of Transfiguration. They left everyone else behind, but it was just the three of them. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he was with his chosen three. And he says, hey, guys, would you pray with me? And then he goes off and comes back and found them all asleep. Right? Not their shining moment. Um, it's also said about John that, uh, there, that he was exiled to the prison of Patmos in A.D. 95. And you know why he was sent there? Because they tried to shut him up. He kept preaching the gospel. They're like, we got to get rid of him. We're going to send him to this prison island, and then we're going to silence him. But before they sent him, they tried to kill him. They threw him in a cauldron of boiling oil, hoping to silence him. And God protected him. He didn't die in that. So then they sent him to the island of Patmos. And it was there on that island that he pens the book of Revelations. So John is a pretty influential character in, in the New Testament. Not just because of the gospel of John. But First John 1, 2, and 3. And then in Revelations as well. So before he goes to Patmos, AD 85 to, to 90, he's in Ephesus. And he writes this book. And he writes it to dispel doubts that, that we're not saved only by grace. He's telling us, no, we're saved by grace, and it's not a work of our own. He writes it to build assurance of salvation by presenting a clear picture of who Jesus is. Entering history, Jesus was and is God in the flesh. He's God in focus. He's seen and he's heard and he's touched by John the Apostle. And John's giving us a firsthand account of this. 
He's the author of the book, and this is how he starts off the book. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes. We touched him with our own hands. He's the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he's the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. Jesus, I thank you that your word is living, it's active. And Holy Spirit, I pray today that you would illuminate God's word to us in a way like never before. Lord, let these words jump off the page. Lord, let us receive Jesus as we read them, that we come to know you in a more intimate and a deeper way. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So first question I have to ask as I look at this passage is, who's the we? Who's John talking about when he says we proclaim? Is he talking about all the disciples? Is he talking about him and his wife? Like, I, I don't really know who the we is. So if you want to get an understanding, you've got to go back to the Gospel of John and recognize John's writing style, right? He talks in John 13, 23, the disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. John 19, 26, when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he says to her, dear woman, here's your son. In 21.7, then the disciple whom Jesus loves says to Peter, it is the Lord. Well, you know who said it to Peter? It was John who said it to Peter, right? So, so John has this way of writing where he talks about himself in third person. Kind of weird, just to be honest. If I'm, you know, that's my perspective on it. I would much rather say this. I proclaim to you the one who existed. Like, doesn't that sound a lot more powerful than we proclaim to you? But this is the way John decides to write it. But it doesn't take anything away from it that he's proclaiming something. Look, guys, I have seen him. I have touched him. I have heard him. I have lived with him. And I want to tell you something. He is the real deal. Like this Jesus guy, he, he's not just one. He's not someone that came like others have come. No, he come and he changed everything when he came. John's language mimics what he writes, John's language here mimics what he writes in the Gospel of John, in John 1. So the Gospel of John says, In the beginning the Word already existed, the Word was God, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then here he says, Okay, I proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom I've heard, whom I've seen. We saw him with our own eyes, we've touched him with our own hands. He's the Word of life. Right? John is, is telling us this is who he is. He's the real deal. So one of the goals as we go through 1 John this summer is that we would all get practice in being consistent in reading the Word of God and, and letting the Holy Spirit illuminate it to our hearts and to our lives. And I, and I raise this because I've been saved for a long time. I don't even want to tell you how long. All right, I'll tell you how long. For 52 years I've been walking with God because I came to know Him at 10 and I'm 62 now. That's a long time. I'm embarrassed to say how many times I started to read the Bible and then would stop reading the Bible. And then I'd start reading the Bible and I'd stop reading the Bible. And it was like a yo-yo through my teenage years. I've had times where I'd be consistent a week, two weeks, a month, three months. And then vacation would happen and I'd fall out of routine. And I just, yeah, like the Bible is collecting dust over there. 
That's not, that's not the way we should treat the Bible. We, we shouldn't treat it that way. So this could be a summer that changes all of our lives if we can come into a consistency of reading the Word of God together. And we're going to take 1 John. We're going to take 1 John and read it through together. I'd like us to read it through every week. So here's what I've learned. over. It's gone back now to 15 years ago my mom passed away. This was in January. And my mom, God bless her heart, she was one of those Christians that she could be in the Word every morning. She had notebooks upon notebooks. She would journal. She would write down her, her gems that God had spoken to her. Like this woman, she was amazing. She was just amazing. And I remember sitting at her desk. I was the executive for her will. I felt unqualified. I'm the youngest of eight kids. Why me? Why am I the one to try to lead my brothers and sisters through the whole, you know, disbursement of, of stuff and, and everything else in her? But I'm sitting at her desk, looking at the bills, trying to get a, a sense of what I've got to do to handle her estate. And I see this little calendar that she had. She'd give me this calendar. I can't tell you how many times. I still had one on my desk. In fact, it was January 31st. I forget what day she died. Some, end of January. Um, and I was already, I, I, was, I was in it. Like my calendar actually said the day that it was. It hadn't grown old. And, you know, that's when you know you stop. Because it was the calendar. You turn every day. It told you what to read. So, you know, when the calendar says May and it's really September, you, you know it's been a while since you've turned the pages of the calendar. It's kind of obvious. So I saw her calendar and I'm like, God, why was she so consistent? How do I be that consistent? And something just clicked for me. It's like, just start doing it. And I, and I made, I made a, like not a vow to God, but, but kind of an agreement with myself. Like, I'm just going to start to be in God's word every day. Like, enough is enough. And for the past 15 years, I have read the Word of God through every year. Now, it's not about reading through the Bible in its entirety in a year. That's not the thing here. The thing is that I started to become consistent in going into God's Word day after day after day. And something started to change in my life when I did that. And, and lately, now probably for the past seven years or eight years, I've started something different. I just don't want to read God's Word every day. I want to say, God, what are you speaking to me in your Word? Because how many of you know what you ate last Tuesday for lunch? Anybody? Do you remember what you ate last Tuesday? Unless you have peanut butter and jelly every day, that doesn't count, right? Um, but whatever it was that you ate, did it nourish you? Yeah, hopefully we're all eating nourishing things. So like when we read God's word, it should nourish us. But, but God wants to give us something from his word. He wants to speak to us every day. That's who he is. So I'm asking us to do something like this. I, I'm calling it a takeaway, but it's not me getting a takeaway. It's the Holy Spirit showing me, hey, this is what God's word is saying, and this is how you should apply it to your life. Like, it's not, all right, I'm going to take this, and I'm going to come up with something different than what it says. No, it's God illuminating his word, because Jesus is the word made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the Bible, right? He's the word made flesh. So as I read the Bible, as we read the Bible, we become more intimate and knowing who Jesus is. Like the Bible isn't just, oh, I can quote you facts and figures and theories and, and theology. Like that's all well and good. But if it doesn't go from here to here, like don't spend time reading it because God is alive. He's not just facts and figures. He's not just history. 
So when I read John 1.1, we proclaim to you, or I proclaim to you, the one who existed from the beginning, whom I've heard and seen. I saw him with my own eyes and touched him with my own hands. He's the word of life. I think about that, and I'm like, wow, that's, that verse impacts me. So this is what I do. I, I use texting now. I used to put it in my journal. I would write it out. Now I can just do copy-paste. Kind of, I like the copy-paste thing. It's a lot easier than writing out. Because sometimes, to be honest, I can't read my own handwriting, especially if I'm writing fast. Anybody else got that problem? Yeah, I've never had good handwriting. So I, I put down the verse, and I'm like, God, what are you saying to me? Because I'm praying the whole time as I'm reading. I don't read the Bible as just like, I can read a John Grisham book or, or some other nonfiction, and man, you just chapter, 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 chapter. I don't want to read the Bible like that. I'm not trying to run through it. I'm trying to soak in it. I'm trying to be basted by it. I want the secret sauce of who the Word is, who Jesus is, to baste me. So as I read it, and then I, like something jumps out, God, what is it? And I try to put it into words. And, and you know, to be honest, what I find is when I write it down, even as I'm writing, sometimes the Holy Spirit is speaking to me and I'm writing words I wasn't even thinking before I started to write them. Is that weird? I don't know, but that's what happens to me. So here it would be what God would speak to me. John proclaimed that Jesus existed from the beginning. We can see that. John heard him. He saw him. He touched him. He was an eyewitness that could declare that Jesus is the word of life. But what about me? I'm not a physical eyewitness. But I can proclaim that meeting with Jesus has changed my life. Like sometimes we talk about what we're not. How about what we are? How about what God has put within us? I, I didn't see Jesus in the flesh. I didn't walk with him. I didn't see him do miracles. I didn't touch him. But you know what? I've met Jesus and he's changed my life. I can tell other people about that. I've heard the voice of his spirit talking to me. And now I remember this verse in, in John, the Gospel of John, where Jesus says to Thomas in John 20, 29, 20, 29 this is there after Jesus had died and he'd, he'd resurrected. And Thomas is like, he didn't believe the other disciples that Jesus was really alive. And he's like, you know what? Unless I put my finger in his hands, unless I put my finger in his side, I'm not going to believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. So Jesus appears again. He goes right over to Thomas. And after all this is done, he's like, Thomas, put your hand in my hands. Like, put your finger in my hands. Put your finger in my side. And then Jesus says, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. You know, so sometimes as we read the word of God, let the word of God interpret the word of God. Have you ever heard that saying? It's, it's really important because I, I can read the word of God. and I'm like, God, this doesn't really make sense to me. I'm not, I'm not sure. We can read God's word in isolation in one verse and kind of make something out of that one verse. Well, no, what does the rest of the Bible have to say? That's really important to let the word of God interpret the word of God. But as I look at this verse, 1 John 1.1, 1, 1, I'm reminded of this other verse and say, okay, I have a testimony that God has given me, and I'm blessed because I believe and I've not seen. I've not seen Jesus in the flesh. I'm blessed because I can have faith like that. So that was very simply one of my takeaways as I read this. I wanted to share it with you really as an example of this is what I would like to see us. I'd love to see us start the practice. Maybe you're already doing something like that, and that's wonderful. But maybe you're like me, that for years and years and years, it's been difficult to open up God's Word. It's been difficult to be consistent. Like you got kids, and you got bills, and you got jobs, and you got so much stuff. But you know what? If we're really honest, we also do have time. We just haven't made the time. That's, that's really the issue. And I'm asking us to make a commitment to make the time. 
So as we go through this, this series on 1 John, I want to find my card again. Where did I put it? Here's my card. So now we're going to turn it to this side. All right? I've given us a very simple reading plan. It doesn't get more simple than this, right? Um, Monday is 1 John. I forgot the 1. 1 John 1. You can write it in. All right? Just read chapter 1 on Monday. Read chapter 2 on Tuesday. Chapter 3 on Wednesday. 4 on Thursday. 5 on Friday. Let's Saturday be your makeup day. Sunday you're coming here. All right? Very simple. But it's not just reading it to check a box. I don't want anybody box checking here. I've done that for too many years. Maybe you've done it as well. As you read it, so, so number one, would you agree to read the book of 1 John? And I'm suggesting we read it each week. We're going to be in this for the next seven or eight weeks, so we're going to read it seven or eight times. To God be all the glory, right? You'd be like, oh my gosh, you want me to read the same thing over and over and over again? Here's what happened to me this week. So I told you, this is my 15th year reading through the Bible. I am read- Actually, I wasn't reading this particular day because I had an early morning pastor's meeting at 8. I had to get here about 7.15 to make coffee. So I decided, all right, it's way earlier than I'm used to getting up to church. I'm going to listen to the Bible on the way as a way to speed up my whole thing. You know? So I'm listening to the Word. As I'm listening to it, I'm like, wait a minute, say what? Like, I don't remember this passage. So when I get here after you know, we finish the pastor's meeting, I go back and I look it up. That's a part I've never underlined before. Not that I underline every verse, but like I've, I've never seen this as it applies to water baptism before. So I put that in my text to people because I've got a couple of groups where I text and I've got a group in the Bible plan online where we do a talk it over thing. And I say, like, I've never seen this before and how it applies to water baptism. God showed me something new. And one of the other guys goes, Greg, how many times have you read through the Bible? Like, it, it's wonderful that you're seeing something new after 15 times of reading the Bible. Like, all right, we can be thick sometimes. But this is what happens. This is what Holy Spirit does. You, you might think, you want me to read the same thing seven or eight times? You're going to see something different the second time. You're going to see something different the third time. Because like the layer of the onion. God just starts peeling. Where you are this week is different than where you're going to be next week, different where you're going to be the week after. And God knows what you need of when you need it. Right? I was talking with Monica this morning. She's, she's going to be telling the kids about um, the raven dropping food for Elijah. And she's going to be giving them um, little gummy bears or something, right? But, but she's like, you know, kids these days, like some are gluten-free, some are dye-free, some are dairy-free. And I'm like, so you need to tell them, Monica, that God knows exactly what you need. And he knew what Elijah needed. So for those of you that are gluten-free, God delivers gluten-free food. For those of you that are dairy-free, God delivers you dairy-free food or dye-free food. Like he knows exactly what you need. And when you read the word of God, God is going to deliver to you exactly what you need for that day. And what you need is different than what I need is different than what some Joe Blow needs. But like God knows what we need. And when we get into his word, we're communing with him because Jesus is the word made flesh. So here's the challenge. Would you agree to read the book of 1 John each week? Some of you, you know what? I know you want to do better than everybody else. So I got an extra challenge for, for those of you that have to really exceed and you want to do hard things. Anybody want to do hard things here? You want to hear the hard thing before you say you're going to do it, right? I'm going to give credit to my son, Dan. He gave me this idea. Memorize the book of 1 John. Ho, ho, ho. Memorize portions of 1 John. Because you want to get it into your heart. 
Yeah, let it get into your, let it soak. Start to memorize it. Now, I'm horrible at memorizing. I will not lead by example in this. There's certain verses that I can tell you that I remember and I know. Um, but all right, would you agree to read the, the book of 1 John? Would you, as you, before you read, pray and ask Holy Spirit to be your teacher. That's what he is. That's what the word of God calls him. Don't just read it like you're reading a novel. As you read the chapter, try to underline. I'm saying one verse. It's not specific about you can only underline one verse. As I read the Bible, I'm highlighting as I'm going. And I'm making notes in my Bible app as I'm going. And then when I'm done my Bible reading, I look at all the highlights that I've made, all the things that I've said, and I try to pick one because that's my personal. This is what I'm going to carry with me through the day. And I am shocked. I'm actually not shocked, but I'm shocked Every day that that happens and I write this down, someone comes, I'm in a conversation, I'm talking with someone, and I'm like, hey, let me read to you what I just wrote today because this ministers right now. Like, God gives me what I need. So as you read, try to underline a verse. Write down the verse and your takeaway. You want to use the Bible app? It's real easy. You highlight it, you copy it, you can put it in a text to yourself, and then you text yourself, this is my takeaway. And then pray the verse back to God. Now, here's the really cool thing about praying the verse back to God. Are you familiar where it says that um, in Ephesians 6, it talks about our armor, right? And it says that the word of God is our sword, right? You know what I'm talking about? It says the word of God is our sword. But then you find in other places in the Bible, it says that um, there's a double-edged sword, that the word of God is sharper than even a double-edged sword. In Revelations, it mentions that there's a double-edged sword in the hand of the one who comes. This is Jesus when he's coming back. He's got a double-edged sword. So what does that word in the Greek mean for double-edged sword? It actually means out of two mouths. What? Double-edged sword, two mouths. How's a sword, two mouths? Well, here's the deal. God spoke the word. That's one mouth. When we pray it back to him, it's coming out of our mouth back to him. That's the double-edged sword. So, man, you want, you want to see the word of God be living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword? You pray it back to God. That's powerful. That's really, really powerful. So pray the verse back to God that God gave you. Just like I, I walked through. If I would go back and I'd look at this verse, I'd say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you did exist from the beginning. God, I, I think my life was the beginning, Lord, but you started so long ago, God. You existed in the beginning. Lord, I've seen and I've heard, not physically, but I've been touched. I've been marked from you. Lord, you are the word of life. Would you be my life today? Would you help me show others the truth of Jesus today? Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, so I took the verse and I prayed it back to him. And as I pray it back to him, like that's the double-edged sword, man. That's, that's coming alive. So that's what I'm asking us all to do. And now I'm going to go one step further. How about we start a discussion on this? So the cool thing that I have the, the privilege of doing is I'm in a couple texting groups, like I said, where we each, we're reading through the same thing in different groups and we text each other or we, we use the um, talk it over in the Bible app. So starting tomorrow, I'm going to start posting my takeaways for 1 John 1 on Monday, for 1 John 2 on Tuesday, three on Wednesday, and I've asked Billy, hey, could you take what I wrote and could you put it to the Shiloh Facebook page and Instagram page? Now, I'm, if, you, if you message me on Facebook, I'm sorry if I never accepted your friend request because I get on there like once every five years. I have a Facebook account. I have an Instagram account. 
I'm going to be going to look really just at the Shiloh page. Because I want to see if God's sharing anything with you. What's so cool is what God shares with you is going to be way different than what he shares with me. And, and it's fun to get into the discussion together. So if you have a chance to do that, great. If you want to just text me, you want to email me, I would love to hear what God is sharing with you because I'm going to benefit from it. But even better than you just sharing with me, what if on the way out you like change phone numbers with somebody and you text someone else? Maybe in your small group, maybe the person is sitting next to you and just say, hey, do you want to text each other? Like, one text a day. What did you get out of 1 John 1? I'll text you what I got out of 1 John 1. And we start a discussion together about what is God saying to us from his word. Like, guys, this is going to be so exciting. I, I'm just jazzed by it because I know what it's done in my life. And I hope that comes across for you too. So imagine what we're going to hear by the time we're on week seven. Like seven times reading the same chapters Holy Spirit, what are you going to do? Like, I don't know, but I know it's going to be great, and I know it's going to be personal. It's going to be personal for each one of us. So now I want us all to be honest for a minute. I love when people say, if I could be honest, and then they tell you what they're going to say, and I always want to say, does that mean you weren't being honest in everything else you said? But like sometimes we do that just as a way to kind of like be a little more transparent. So let's get a little more honest. Do you know God or do you just know about God? Do you know Jesus or is Jesus just the guy you see in some churches hanging on the cross? Do you ever feel like you need to do more as a Christian? Like, God, I just feel like I need to be a better Christian. God, I, I don't, am I going to get to heaven someday? Like, have I done enough good in this life to earn my way into heaven? Like, we think that way sometimes, don't we? I know these thoughts go around in my head. Maybe they go around in your head. Not, not really all of them are scriptural, though, right? Because God says, I can't earn my way into heaven. Eternal life is a free gift. I can only receive it. I can't earn it. And like that was a moment for me when I realized, you mean it's not just going to church and doing this and doing that and having good work. Like that's not how I get to heaven. I just pray a prayer to receive Jesus what he did on the cross for me, that's what I do? I, I'd never heard that before. It was astonishing to me. I'm like, do you want to pray that prayer? Of course I want to pray that prayer. Why wouldn't I want to pray that prayer? No one had ever told me that relationship with Jesus is something for me. I thought it was for the priest, or I thought it was for the pastor. I thought it was for the, somebody else. No, Jesus wants a personal relationship with you. And maybe you've gone to church for your whole life, Or maybe you've been in and out of churches. Or maybe there was a time where you you said yes to Jesus, and that was a long, long time ago, many sins later, you're where you are, and you're not walking with Jesus anymore. The truth about Jesus is this. He's the way. Right? We'll hear so many different voices in the world about, oh, you can do this, and you can do that, and you can do that. No, Jesus is the way. He's the truth. You know, what? We're, we're, conf- we're so confused in our world today for what's the truth anymore. Here's how I know what's the truth. If I read it in God's word, it's true. And if what I'm believing or what I'm hearing is disagreeing with God's word, I'm going to go with God's word. I'm not going to go with what I'm believing or what I'm hearing. I'm going to change my beliefs to what I see in God's word. Amen. Because he's the truth and he's the life. 
So how many of you know Thomas Tank Engine? Right? Gotta love Thomas Tank Engine, right? So there's an episode I'm told of where Thomas is, you know, choo-choo-choo. He's driving around and he goes around a sharp curve and what happens? Boom! He falls off. He's off the track. And he's like, I'm free! I'm free! I don't have to go on the track anymore! And then he can't move because he's off the track. And see, some of us, we felt like this Jesus thing? No, man, I gotta be free. I, I, can't, I can't do Jesus because I'm going to lose my freedom. No, you're off the track, wheels up, and you think that's freedom. You're so blind you don't even know. Freedom is when we're on the track that God has called us to. It's the most exciting life you will ever have to come to know Jesus. That's why I said earlier, if you've met Jesus, you would know because your life has been changed forever. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer today? I want to give an invitation to all of you, but it may only apply to some. If you don't know this Jesus I'm talking about, if you don't know the Jesus that we're going to read in 1 John, would you be so bold enough as to say, yeah, I'd like to pray. I'd like to invite Jesus into my heart. I want to make him the Lord of my life because right now, if you don't know this Jesus, if you've not given your life to him, you're like Thomas the Tank Engine. You turned over sideways and you think you're living life to the fullest. You're not living life at all. Yes, you are living life, but you're not living life as God intended, the fullness of what life could be, the abundant life that he promises us. Some of you, maybe you're on a detour. Where'd the train go off the tracks? That's what I always like to ask. So if I can follow where the train went off the tracks, then I can get back on the tracks. Maybe you've been on this detour, you had a derailment, and you need to get back on track with God. Let today be the day that you say yes to Jesus. Yes, I want to get back on track, God. God, I've never been on track, but I want to start today. Would you close your eyes with me? If you feel like God is speaking to you now that you want to pray with me, would you raise your hand just so I know? But it's really not for me. It's for God to know that you, that, that you want to pray. You want to give your life to the Lord. I see, I see hands all up. Thank you, Jesus. If you've walked away from God, if you've got a derailment in your life and you're not on track and you want to come to know Jesus, would you raise your hand and say, yes, God, I, I, I want to say yes to you, Jesus. Raise your hand. You're raising it to God because God is looking at your hands right now. I see him too, but he's looking. So let's pray. Would you, would you all repeat after being in prayer? Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner but you died on the cross for my sin. You paid the price that I could have life. And just as you gave your life for me, I give my life to you. Jesus, would you live in me? Would you live through me? Would you be my Lord and Savior? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And Father God, I thank you for what you're doing today. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do this summer. Jesus, I thank you that as we read through 1 John together, God, it is going to change our lives. We're never going to be the same as we encounter you, as we understand the assurance of your word, the assurance of our salvation, the forgiveness that you've given to us. Jesus, thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for for each of us as we start, maybe some of us for the first time tomorrow, reading through a chapter a day. Lord, I pray for your strength. I pray for your grace. Lord, I come against 
all, all the weapons that hell is going to throw at us, trying to keep us from, from reading your word. Lord, because we know that we're in a battle. Lord, so I pray a protection over each one. God, the seed that you have deposited today, I pray protection over it in Jesus' name. Lord, I call forth a harvest of 30, 60, 100 fold. As we get into your word, Father, I thank you. Your Holy Spirit is our teacher. Your Holy Spirit is the one that's going to show us the words of life, who Jesus is. So, Lord, bless, bless us all today. We look to you and we praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, if you're here and you raised your hand, I would really love, we're going to have a prayer team up here. Prayer team, you can come forward right now. I have a book we want to give you. The prayer team can give it to you. You can see me. You raised your hand. This is called Living in Christ. And the reason why it's called Living in Christ is because giving your life to Jesus isn't just a one-day event. It's the rest of your life. So how do you live with Christ? So please come up and see me if you can or see someone on the prayer team if you can. But if not, be blessed. Have a great day. God bless you. Enjoy the wonderful weather. See you next Sunday.